This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to McDelivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Lobe strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot Welcome to the Low Strangers podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. It feels like ages since I've been able to give you a player interview. It's been pretty tough recently, to be honest. I've not managed to get potential guests over the line when it looked like a couple of them were so close. These things happen, but it's definitely been the toughest period since launching the podcast. Really sorry, but I will keep plugging away. And of course, if you guys know of any ex-town players, or indeed you are an ex-player and you would like to get involved, then please do get in touch. Rest assured that even if the player interviews dry up completely, which I don't think they will, then there will still be new episodes for you. My guess for this episode is Jay McEverley. A Liverpudlian born and raised, Jay started out with Everton before a move to Blackburn Rovers, where he would play under the management of Graham Souness and Mark Hughes, playing in the Premier League and the UEFA Cup. A £600,000 move to Derby County followed, and he would go on to play in the Championship Playoff Final. His second season and his final season as a Premier League player did not go to plan, but Jay still takes positives from that experience. He represented England at under-20 and under-21 level, and then switched allegiance to Scotland and went on to earn three senior caps. It was Paolo Tucanio who brought Jay to Swindon in 2012, and he was a key member of the final stages of that squad who would go on to win the League 2 title. 
we talk about the Canio and the managers that followed and we discuss how close Town got to the championship, including a certain 5-5 draw, but he, of course, was on the opposite team that evening. It never rains, but it pours for dear old Richie as production-wise, connectivity issues are problematic throughout this episode. I know, right? It's not ideal. It couldn't be helped. But of course, James, still great value. And although I've always appreciated the time guests have given me, the last few weeks have really highlighted how lucky I've been to talk to so many ex-town players and employees. And I'm so grateful to Jay and everyone that's gone before him. And of course, to you folks for still listening. Thank you so much. Anyway, it's time to sound the hooter for the Low Strangers podcast. Enjoy. everybody who takes part who did you support as a kid and who were your football heroes well um, uh, obviously I was at Everton wasn't I as a kid so I supported Everton I mean my dad my dad was a, a red I think he tried to to send me down that route but it never it never materialised so uh, you know it was a blue um, and obviously you know looking back now you're looking at the, the team I mean, we went. I went to the '95 Cup final, so you know you're looking at all all them players there, like Ferguson, Dave Watson, Southall, you know, all, all that era really. Uh, you know, looking watching them every week was uh, was brilliant. And of course, ex Swindon player Paul Rydell. Paul Rydell as well. Yeah, he scored the goal as well. Yeah, <laughs> he learned something new every day. I didn't know he played for Swindon. He started his career at Swindon. What were you, what are your memories of of starting out in football as a junior? Well, I started um it's not like nowadays, I mean, nowadays you, you, you can start teams at under fives and, you know, it's a little bit scary to be honest, you know, seeing four-year-olds, you know, in teams and stuff, but um, I, it was under nines when we used to be able to start, but uh, my dad took me down to Winston Juniors uh, when I was about seven, I think it was, it was only training because obviously you couldn't play in, in teams back then until under nines, and then uh, so I trained, trained there for a couple of years and then... Uh, my dad and one of his mates decided to sort of put a team together because our school, in, in, in the school I was in, you know, we had some pretty good footballers, so we sort of got a team together and uh, entered the league. Uh, we were called Jenna where we were playing in the Walton Kirkdale League in Liverpool. You know, we done all right. We, we done well. We used to finish second a lot because there was a team from Kirby called Keyways and they were sort of always pipping us to, to the league and, and stuff like that. So it was a good battle between us. But, it, it, you know, them them days on muddy fields, turning up and it's freezing cold and, and home and getting in the bath in your mum's and, and, you know, the bath ends up black because you're that dirty. And then uh, your dad sends you in the alley to, to sort of clean your boots because they're absolutely filthy with a brush. You know, I, you know, I, I miss them days. They were brilliant. You know, I loved them, loved them. <laughs> Those crusty knees, the the baked on mud. So, do you, do you remember being scouted by Everton? Yeah, well, the, the fella who run the uh, the Bolton Kirkdale League was uh, a fella called Bob Pendleton, and uh, he, he used to he used to scout a lot of kids from from that league to um, to, to come up to Everton. So there was a few from our, uh, I think there was a couple from our team. Um, and a few from Kiwis and, and in the in the league as well there was a team called Copperhouse and uh, that's where Wayne played 
Wayne Rooney played for them, so he ended up coming up from there as well. And we all went up, we had a style at Everton, basically, and um, we, we got signed from that, really. If you could do a Google search for your career, you're pretty much the spokesman of uh, that era for Wayne Rooney, aren't you? Because you're one of the players that, that managed to uh, make a Premier League and a Football League career from it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you look around and, and think, try and think who else sort of come through at that time. Um, it's difficult, you know, you've got, I think, lads, Stephen Jennings was in my team, he, he played with Sam and Coventry. Um, but you know, looking back, there's not there's not really many. Mm. Um, Annie Gerrard was in the, the year below, which was Wayne's year, really. So Annie Gerrard's done well for himself. Um, but he you know, always plays in our year, so he always plays a year up because he's a year younger than me, you see. But you know, every interview I've done over the years, it's always sort of popped up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think we played Sheffield United, we played Man United in the third round of the FA Cup um, a couple of years ago. Obviously, Wayne was captain, I was captain, so it sort of it popped up again then, really. Um, obviously, well, what was he like back then? And it was just, you know, my answer's always the same. He was exactly the same as he is now. What he's doing to Champions League teams, to the international teams, what he was doing to kids on the park. It's just sort of just been an exact same transition from kids to what he's done and what he's achieved. But luckily for Swindon fans, this is for you. This is your podcast, so we don't have to worry about Wayne Rooney too much. But what what was your experience? Because as you said, football has changed a lot. And football fans, because of documentaries and social media, we, we kind of know more about youth football now. What was your experience at Everton like? Do you know what? Because I work there now myself. I'm a coach at Everton myself now. And um, not a lot's changed in, in terms of developments of, of a footballer, it just starts, it just starts like four or five years younger. Mm. In one sense, you could think, well, you know what, if you get them in early and they're getting proper coaching, can they become better players? I don't know. Or do you leave them to go and kick about in the park and go and kick about, you know, with the mates, putting jumpers for goalposts, you know, all that type of thing? Is that, does that help people? Certainly in, say, my case, in Wayne's case, and you know, a lot of others from probably when we come through, it probably did help. It was a lot more street football, it was a lot more, you know, argy bargy, and, and we were sort of, we were ready for it. We were ready for it. Nowadays, I don't know whether they're a little bit, a little bit too modicoddled from an early age, and as you bring them through, you sort of get that, I don't know whether it's, you could call it like a, a diva-ish type player. You know, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder thinking, well, you know, I've had this since I was six years old. I, I should be, you know, I, I don't need to deal with this type of thing. Um, so, you know, there's pros and cons for it, really. It seems to be working because there's there's a fair few Everton players in the England youth setup at the moment. Yeah, there is, yeah. You know, Everton, Everton are renowned for, you know, bringing players through. Um, you know, I don't know. I think they've got one of the best rates of, of, of first-team appearances from academy players, you know, in, in the country. You know, it's as I said, it hasn't changed much, and I don't think it's changed across the board much. You know, with you know your Liverpool's, Man United's, Man City's, I think it's it's all pretty similar. I don't think the coaching changes much. Mm. I just think it's uh, what they get given at such an early age nowadays, and what they get done for them mm. is a lot different to when we sort of come through. Nicely done by Smith. Toffolo again. Williams is in there, and the inevitable result. Well, he's too good to be true.
So you're this Everton fan. You, you've done something that I've always dreamed of doing, and I haven't yet. You went to an FA Cup final to support your team. Fantastic. So why did you make the decision to go, or was it your decision to go to Blackburn? It wasn't, not really. I mean, to be honest, it, this is the story. It was, um, we were 14, I think it was, and I know a couple of the lads, about three or four of the lads in my age group have been offered YTSs. So you're sort of thinking, you know, you, you're looking at 14, going into your last year of school, and you're thinking, you know, I need to plan what I'm going to be doing here. Um, and I know few, three or four of them had been offered by theatres. And I went for a meeting with my dad, uh, sat down, and he went, well, you know, we, you, you wait till Christmas type of thing. So we just walked out the meeting, and I basically said to my dad, you know, I've been there since I was just saying nine years old. You know, I've been there for, you know, five, six years. Um, you know, it's just, they don't know now, what, you know, what, what am I waiting for, basically? And um, my dad had been speaking to a, a Blackburn scout um, at a game once. It was no, no poaching involved, <laughs> in case that. <laughs> but he'd just been speaking to him, and he was from Liverpool, a Blackburn scout, and my dad knew him, and that's so he was just speaking to him. And he said, listen, if anything, if anything ever, you know, goes wrong, or, you know, there's a little bit of a change in circumstance, just, just give a ring. So he told me about it, and I said, well, you know, I might, I might, I might, I might as well, you know, because if, if if they don't know after six years, you know, what you know, what chance have I got when I do sign YTS? I'm I'm not going to be the blue-eyed boy, am I? I'm just going to be one of a one of a number that they need to sort of, you know, that they need to to get in for the for the YTS that year. So I went up to uh, went up to Blackburn, sort of basically said I was going up to Blackburn to Everton. He sort of just. They, they wish me luck and, and stuff like that. And went up on a, like a trial basis type thing, went up for a week. Um done quite well. Then went in with the YTSs. Uh, obviously two years old than me, but he just sent us in. I think it was half term. Yeah, it was half term, so these were said, come up and and, and um same with the YTSs. Done really well and um, and then that was that the off the off me the YTS after that. Yeah, and it works out for you because you're playing in the Premier League as a teenager. I think it's under Graham Sooners, but you make your your debut for Blackburn um, in the League Cup against Walsall. And I I tend to ask questions to my guests that are Swindon related. Now that day you were one of four players to either played for Swindon or gone on to play for Swindon. Can you name the other three? Mark Richards. Yep. Jonathan Douglas. Correct. Gordon Greer. Oh, Gordon Greer. I don't think he played, but he certainly played for Swindon. Right. He was he was an older player. He'd already played for Swindon. He was a defender. Known for a tackle. Right. Uh, Andy Todd. Andy Todd. Did not know that. Yeah. Very briefly, believe it or not, he played in a League Cup semi-final for Swindon, but he didn't play many games, but he did play for Swindon. Andy Todd. Andy Todd, yeah. Yeah, you could make some Andy Todd. I didn't know that at all, no. no. <laughs> now you know that you're both part of two different alumni then. <laughs> the Jonathan Douglas, uh, Mark Richards and Gordon Greer, I thought that was easy. Easy. <laughs> but you got me there. I mean, the, the players you're training and playing alongside during your time at Blackburn is absolutely crazy. World Cup winner Yuri Jokayev is there. You've got people like du- uh, Dwight York and Andy Cole, Damien Duff. Um, you've got Tugai, uh, Hakan Suka. I know he wasn't that great at Blackburn, but still brilliant. You've got up-and-comers like David Bentley, Benny McCarthy. So many players. What what was that experience like for you? Do you know what? Looking back now, you'd think that someone going into that would be in awe and just be 
But I just sort of took it all in stride. Mm. And I had like, they had like a, fa- like a, a group at Blackburn, like Gary Flintcroft, David Thompson, uh, David Dunn, Lucas Neal. Um, and they were all, they were all brilliant with the young kids who used to, used to come and train. So as soon as I went in and started training, I'd go in and train and then I'd go back with the youth team and I'd go in and train and play a game and, and stuff. And then when I went full time with them, it was just, that transition was so easy because they were, there was no, there was no, there was nothing. They were just all, they just welcomed me in, basically. Mm-hmm. And it uh, helped me a lot, helped me a lot, helped me a massive lot, uh, just dealing with everything. Um, instilled values that, you know, I still, still believe in today about, you know, listen, you, there's a time for, there's a time for football, you know, when we're on that pitch and we're training and all, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's work time. You know, I'm forever grateful to him. It was, it was brilliant. I always had a soft spot for David Thompson because, yes, you guessed it, he had a loan spell at Swindon when he was at Liverpool. Really, really promising player, but injuries and what have you got in the way. Yeah, he was. You know, he, you know, he was running against Coventry. He was flying at Coventry. Uh, sorry, Liverpool first, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, he come through and you're thinking, you know, I think a lot of people have said, actually, you know, David Thompson was brilliant. Um, but unfortunately, at the time, he had to move on to Coventry. He'd done brilliant there. When he comes to Blackburn, he was on fire. You know, he scored some absolute brilliant goals. I think he got in the England squad. He did get in a, named in a, a Premier League England squad as well. And then injuries hit him, yeah. It's, you know, it happens to his all. And then I think he just struggled to regain confidence, form, etc. after that. And he was sort of just playing, you know, not to his 100%, which, which he needs to do in, in the Premier League. You're managed by two pretty well-known personalities in both as players and managers in Graham Sooners and then Mark Hughes. Both have certain reputations as managers. Um, how did you find them? Graham Sooners, as you, as, you, as you could expect. You know, when things were... If, when he didn't do something that he wanted to do, you, you know, you get the uh, you get the hair dryer things. No, you know, I'm not going to lie. Even when I was... I come in at 17, you know, it, it come to me as well. It wasn't just aimed at young players. It was aimed at everyone. It was, he set the standards and that was it. But away, not away from football, but sort of just speaking to him and the way he sort of looked after me. One of the nicest men I've ever met. So he, he sort of, he helped me through that transition from youth team to first team massively. And I'll, uh, you know, everything he'd done for me was, was perfect. He, he just knew exactly when to put me in, when to take me out, when to sort of take me up the limelight a little bit. And, and, and um, he was brilliant. Mm. Mark Hughes was a little bit different. Mark Hughes was quite, quite uh, you know, more the quieter type. But obviously, you know, he's he's won he's won what he's won, he's he's done what he's done. And he was a he was a brilliant manager, but it's totally totally opposites, total opposites. And um but each to their own, they have all got the way of working and um I love working for them both. Every time I hear people talk about Mark Hughes the manager, it sounds like he's quite distant with his players, like he doesn't go to he doesn't he's not on the coach on match days and things like that. Was that true at Bradburn? No, no, it wasn't really. No, he was on the he was on the coach. I mean, you know, I I've heard a lot of managers if you if you you know, you're playing away and it's closer to their home, it, it, it's not it's not uncommon for them to get someone to drive that they'll drive the car down or someone will drive the car down and they'll just go from the match. It's not you know, that's 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 the way it is. Yeah. Um I wouldn't say he was distant, um, you know, he was approachable. Uh, a, lot, a lot of the coaching come from Mark Bowen at the university. So that, that, that was the coaching and he just sort of oversees everything, mm. which is, you know, as I said, you know, people like to work that way. He, he obviously put all his trust in, in them, in them two, in them two fellas. Uh, he's took them everywhere he's gone with them. So he does trust them. It, it might be better for him 
as a manager, he might just feel better just standing on the sideline, just watching mm. and just, you know, taking everything in. Um, but, you know, his input, his input on a analysis, match analysis, a performance analysis, everything uh, was, was spot on. And obviously his knowledge of the game is, is you know, was second to none. You did spend loan spells in the uh, second tier, what is now the championship with Burnley, uh, Ginningham and Ipswich Town, where I saw you play. I saw you play at Plymouth. Um, how important are those loan moves for young players? Um, I wouldn't say a bad loan spell would break you. I think it depends on your mindset. I think if you have a bad loan spell and it breaks you, it's, the game's not for you. I think a bad it's, it's used as learning, a learning experience of what the real life, what the real football's like, what what real life first team football's like. Hmm. You can go on loan as a young kid. You can make mistakes, and it's not scrutinised as much. You know, I think that happens in the Premier League now as well. You know, young kids coming in until he gets to a certain age where the potential, it's not potential now, they've got to do it. But that young age, they, you can make mistakes and, and fans will forgive them. And as long as you learn from them mistakes, I mean, I had I had a good long spell. At, you know, Bernie wasn't the best for me. Obviously, I got injured. Gilling was brilliant for me. Played 10 games in the, towards the end of the season. And after that 10 games, we went back to Blackburn and played the last game of the season at Tottenham away. So, you know, I was, I was full of confidence, um, and it was, it was brilliant. Ipswich started off brilliant. Joe Royal, obviously, he's the manager in 95 when he won the cup. You know, <laughs> Willie Donnelly was his assistant. You know, brilliant going down to work with them to see, see how they work. We had a great team there as well. Obviously got, got injured. I think it was 18 games into the season. Done me knee. So I had to go back to Blackburn, but I think, um, my loan spells have, have learned, have made, made uh, taught me so much hmm. over the years. What's interesting what you just said there about um, about learning. When you're that young, do you consider those le- loan deals? To, does your manager say, go to Ipswich, Joe Royal's your manager, you will learn so much from him, or are you just like, yeah, I'll go and join that club because you told me to, essentially? No, I think if you... If you it depends, as I say, it depends what, what mindset you're in. I think if you're wanting to further your career... You're looking at a club like Ipswich, been in the Premier League, you know, played in Europe, mm. lovely grounds, played in, you know, been in the Premier League, lovely grounds, great fan base, lovely part of the country. You're looking at it thinking, do you know what, I'll go down there and I'll show what I can do. And, you know, it's not like I was going down to, you know, the conference or etc. I was going to just the league below the Premier League, I was going to the Championship. So it was still like a, it was a very good test, and you know we still some very good teams. Albeit though the championship now nowadays is is filled with, you know I think the championship standard from then to now is is night and day. I think the championship standard now is so high. I think uh, you know you could you could pick twelve, thirteen, fourteen teams of the championship who could hold their own in the Premier League now. Mm. It's just uh, obviously the way the way the game's gone. But yeah, I I I, uh, I always looked at it as to. To go and improve myself, basically, and, and to prove to the manager that sent me away on loan that you know I, I could do it and bring me back and put me in the team. Here's Rooney with the layoff. Williams looking for the early cross. It's come instead to. Uh... Talked about a team finding a piece of real quality. We've just seen it for Massimo Luongo. The touch of quality we needed. It's a stunning opening goal. 
I think you achieved quite a bit at a young age for Blackburn Rovers. You appear in the Premier League, you play in the UEFA Cup, you play the domestic trophies. Did you want to leave or was it becoming more apparent that you would have to move on to progress? Um, no, I didn't want to leave, no. Um, I just, I think it was it was just about December time and I was I had a little run in the team, actually. And then come January, I think the transfer window opens and I heard Steve Monarch was coming in from Liverpool. So basically, uh, I went and seen Mark Hughes, just sat down with him and, and I just said, listen, I said, you know, is it, is Stephen coming into play? Um, or is it sort of like, you know, have I got a chance to sort of fight for a place? And he was honest with me, he just said, listen, he said, you know, I'm, I'm bringing Stephen into play. He said, you know, I still want you to get, I just said, well, okay, you know, it's what it is. So I just sort of left it at that. And then a couple of days later, I think, um, they come in from Derby. And he just sat me down and just said, you know, I think Derby was second in the championship at the time. He just said, you know, I'm prepared to let you go. You know, if you want to stay, that's fine. And fight for your place, you know. And give me advice. He just said, listen, you know, as, as uh, I've been in the game for a long time, um, it's a good opportunity. It's a great club. They're in a great position. You could bounce straight back to the Premier League, he said, and, and, and then be that first choice, you know, left back. If it all works out, he said, but... I'm not forcing you to go. Um, and then I just went, I went away and just sort of shut down the agents and family and that and made that decision, you know, went up to Derby. Well, as we've discussed, you joined Derby County um, under Billy Davies in January 2007 for £600,000. What what's it like being moved around for money? That seems crazy to me. Yeah, you don't, I don't think you... You don't, you don't realise it. You don't realise it at the time. I think you just go, oh yeah, okay. I think it's when you sort of like, you finish or, you know, people sort of say, how, how much did you go for? You're in, you're like, you realise then, you know, you're getting, you're getting moved around for money basically <laughs> and you don't realise it. I just, I just looked at, I didn't see nothing like that. I just seen an opportunity mm. to, to go to a, a brilliant club and, and, and try and get back in Premier League within, Four months, basically. That was that was my thing. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. Yeah, I mean, you you started with Derby and they're in great run. They had a great season, but there was a little dip which resulted in a playoff campaign. Uh, you beat Southampton in the semi-finals, and then you beat West Brom. I think it was one nil in the final. This is considered this championship playoff final is considered huge due to the amount of money that could be. Uh, made and lost um, if you win or lose. What's it like playing in that game? Because it was just as big back then as it is now. Yeah, I mean, the first one at the new M as well, um, which was which was brilliant. Um, I think it got touted as the you know the, the richest game in football um, at the time. I think it was like ninety million or something like that for, mm. for the winner. I mean, the, the roller coaster of the semi finals was you know we went down to Southampton, we won two one. Coming back thinking, you know, we've got it, we're in a good position here. And then next minute, we, you know, we're, we're sitting there on penalties and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. But, you know, we were at home and we got through it. And then going into the final, you know, West Brom were, West Brom were the favourites, no doubt about it. You know, the team that they had at the time was, you know, fantastic. Uh, they probably should have went up automatically with the team that they had. But what we had at Derby at the time was just a real, real resilience about us. Before I got there, I mean, we did win a lot of games 1-0. But before I got there, I think, you know, there was about, I think there was about 14 games, something like that, before I got there. They, that, they won 
Mm-hmm. So that tells you a lot, you know. Um, we we we're going to be solid, but we're going to score goals. We had Stephen Howard up front who, who, who scored quite a few goals. Paul Pascasilito was up there as well, um, and I think by the time January comes, I think Billy Davis sort of went, you know, I need to, I, I want to strengthen for this final push. And um, you know, we brought a few players in. We brought Gary Teal, Stephen Pearce, and myself. There was a few that he brought in, Tyrone Mears. And, um, and and we kicked on. We had a little dip, as you say, and you're thinking at the time, oh, you know, can't get automatic, but we'll have to go through the playoffs. And I think a lot of the time you see, you know, play, uh, teams who fall off the automatic places don't necessarily go through in the playoffs because, you know, the morale's gone down, they're a bit dejected from playing all season and then not getting them top two spots. But uh, we managed to hang on and, and, and get through it, which was, which was, Probably one of the best moments in the career. Yeah, I'm looking at the fixtures now and there's loads of one goal back. Loads of two ones, loads of one nils with Howard instead. And I, I forgot about Arturo Lapoli. <laughs> Fantastic. And then uh, Pesha Salido, best name in the business. <laughs> loads of great, great names. Um, but the next season didn't go to plan. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, you can't put your finger on it, really. We, we... You probably could. You could just say, listen, you're a team where a lot of people were not experienced enough in that Premier League. As I said to you before, the goal from the Championship now mm. compared to compared to then is, is night and day. A team could come up from a Championship now and have probably 500 Premier League appearances in that team because of the way the money is. Maybe, you know, people who aren't playing in the Premier League could sort of go down to the top-end Championship and still the money that the you know, they, they're looking for, it wasn't like that back then. So we've come up relatively inexperienced in the Premier League. Well, a lot, a lot. I think, you know, myself, Matt Oakley, couldn't even tell you, Darren Moore maybe, mm-hmm. um, he, he, he went through in the Premier League. So that was a big factor. Don't think we sound like people. We, you know, we've got, a team's always is relying on the strikers a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if things aren't going well, you know, you're looking on someone, we didn't sort of, you know, get that firepower that we needed. And then, when the results don't, don't start going your way, it's just it's just confidence, just you know, gets knocked and knocked and knocked. It's hard to get back up from that. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember that season well, and I remember the media were losing their mind over Derby's form. What what was the atmosphere in the squad like, especially when it's things aren't going to plan that dramatically? It's it's hard to say. I mean, because you don't want to be there sitting there going, "Oh, here we go again." Basically, it's always like, "Come on." Come on, it's just the, ne- the next game, the next game. Forget about what's going on. Mm. Let's sort this out. Let's get the next game going. And then something happens in that game, and then you, you know you sort of trying to pick yourself up. So it was basically, you know, it was a it was a big learning curve for a lot of people in that team, myself included. Yeah, it was, it was. And you still managed your goal against Liverpool. Liverpool and Arsenal, yeah, scored, scored the nice, scored two, scored Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah. So you know, they, they, it's nice when when that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, some some of the games we were competitive in the games. I mean, some of the scorelines don't suggest that. But as I said, with confidence, you know, as soon as maybe one goes in, you just a little bit dejected, and it's hard to pick yourself up. And then as two goes in, and you're just thinking, what can we do here? And then you end up on the back foot then. And you know, if you're in the back foot in the Premier League, it's sort of it's 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 hard work. You know, the teams are just peppering you for ninety minutes. You know, on, on top of you, it's like attacking defence and. Some of the players, you know, that you've got to you've got to face. It's it's, it's more or less impossible to keep them on for ninety minutes. So, but it was a learning curve, and it was a you know, it, it is it is what it is. 
Who were the toughest you played up against in that season, in your opinion? I've always, I always get asked this question. Who's the, who's the toughest player to play against? I mean, there's loads and there's loads of people who you think. But I'd say Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, he was playing on the right at the time. I always just go for where they were playing in the, in the thing because obviously you could say, you could say, you could say gigs, you could say skulls, you could say this, you could say that. But Ronaldo was obviously on the right at the time. So him and, and Gerard was on him. On, um, Dean Gerard played on the right as well mm. a few times that season. And, you know, obviously, magnificent player, Bolton. Um, I'd have to go for Ronaldo, to be honest, <laughs> with the way things have gone since then. Um, I'll, that's my little claim to fame. I'll, I'll put Ronaldo down. I don't blame you. I, I think you're right, though. I mean, a lot of the time when sort of people get asked that, they expect, they expect people to say, well, you know, I played against Messi. But reality is, it's often the big guys in the championship that are the hardest because they kick and they shove and they they cause so much trouble. Well, not half yet. It's um, you know looking at you know sometimes even when I'm down to like league, even when I'm conference with Samia, some of them some of them opponents were like or more of a not more of a threat because you can't say that, but more sort of like you're wary more of them. Because you don't know what they're going to do, they're just going to run into you and just like throw an elbow in your face, and and you think, but you know, with these other players, you're exactly, you know, you know exactly what you can really. You're trying to stop it, but it's, it's difficult to stop. But you know, you're not going to, you know, get smashed all over the place. You know, you don't know. It's not. It's it's, it's unpredictable. Mm. Um, but with the Premier League, you know what's going to happen. You know exactly what you can do. Whether you can stop it or not, that's a different story. But you know exactly what they're going to do. So it, you know. It's, it's different. You're pretty much a regular throughout your derby career. There's only like a segment where Paul Jewell sends you out to Preston and then Charlton on loan. Would you have stayed at Pride Park longer if you could have? Um, yeah, I think there was a, there was, a there was discussions going on uh, with Nigel Clough at the time. Um, you know, I think it's about the February time he offered me. Uh, he said, you know, we're going to start all about a new contract. And I was happy about that. I think uh, that season. I think I'd scored seven. I think I'd scored seven goals that season, or maybe seven. I'd scored scored quite a few goals actually that season. Mm. You know, we we were doing okay. You know, but I knew that we could we could kick on maybe the next season. I, I wanted to stay there. I was settled there. You know, I loved the club. Uh, the fans were brilliant. Stadium, everything was brilliant. But um, before it just didn't work out that way. Mm. I think obviously you know the ball gets involved towards the end of the season and then. It is what it is with the budgets, with etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know where do you want to go with the, with the club, and you know unfortunately I had, to, I had to leave. I didn't want to, but you know that's how it is. That's how football is sometimes. Um, it's Mark Robbins that took you to Barnsley, but injuries play a big part in your in your time. Yeah, I mean I started off quite well. I got myself back in the Scotland squad. You know we we done um, we we had some great results. I think we beat Leeds and Yorkshire Derby. Um, Four two at home, which was a great night, and we were doing okay. And then I got injured the way barely. Um, I put for four and a half months really, um, so it was difficult to come back from that. So I was just looking basically the next season from that really. Um, but it was a uh, yeah, it was you know I, I did like Barnsley to be fair. You know I thought if uh, if we'd have kept Mark Robbins, we'd have, we'd have, we'd have better it the next year, and um, we were. We had a good squad, um, but unfortunately, you know, again, budgets and etc. etc. get get into play, and you know, people don't stay at clubs. Farouche's delivery and Carl! We'll talk about instant impact. 
His first touch brings Swindon an equaliser. Right, we're going to take a step back from the domestic game now and talk about your international career because you started as an England international earning caps at under 20 and under 21 level. Um, on your 18th birthday, um, you played in the shadow of the Stadio Olimpico for England under 21s, playing alongside the likes of Michael Carrick and Gareth Barry. This must have been huge, especially as you were so young at that point. What, what do you remember of that? Of that trip. I remember getting the call, you know, I was in the squad of the 21s and you know, I was seeing the list. I was just thinking, you know, I used to, you know, like three or four years ago, I was sitting on the, sitting on the couch, you know, watching these on the telly and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, when it's your own club, you with them every day, you know, the likes of, you know, Damien Zuff and, you know, Dwight York, Andy Cole, you're with them every day. So it's sort of like, it becomes the norm, it becomes natural. But when you sort of join up with, players you sort of might have never met before, um, maybe played against a couple of times, and then you're there and you've seen them on the telly when you were a kid, obviously when I was a few years younger, and because um, I was only 17, 17, just turned 18 at the time, so you know some of these were 22, 23, so I'd watch them on the telly in the Premier League and stuff, and you turn up and you're thinking, they must be thinking, who's this kid? Yeah, but obviously you don't realise that they know who you are as well, because obviously you, you're playing in, you're in the 21 squad for a reason. You're not, you're not just being plucked off the street and playing in the 21 squad. You, you're there for a reason. Um, and they were brilliant, all of them. Every single one of them, you know, welcoming into the squad. And, you know, I, I, I just see them now and again. I'll, I'll say hello to them. And that's, you know, it's, it's nice. Um, but it, it was, was a bit surreal, as I said to you, because it's not the norm. It's not the everyday run of the mill, like where you're in the club. It's, you're away with them. It's, it, was, it was surreal, it was. You are from England, but you also have that strong Liverpudlian identity. And of course, you have the Scottish heritage as well. And we've had a lot of news over 2018-2019 because of Declan Rice, who switched from Ireland to England. And it, to be honest, it surprised me how much of a big deal it was, because this is commonplace throughout the world in the game. Uh, but it highlights the complexities of dual national footballers. Do we make this out to be far bigger deal than it actually is? I think I think you do. It's been going on for years, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a new thing. I think with the death and rise thing, you know, because he's doing so well at a young age, it's highlighted so much more than it should be. Really, mm. you know, there's people going under the radar who's you know who's, who've gone from England to Scotland and or Scotland to England, England to Ireland, etc., etc. That's sort of the, no one's better than Ireland about it. It's sort of being raised now because you know he's this young player in the Premier League who was with Ireland. He's got in the Premier League and he's took it by storm. Now everyone's all the journalists and everyone's saying, "Well, he's English. Why isn't he playing for England?" And it's just being made a big fuss out of. I mean, I played for England. Uh, I knew my granddad was Scottish. I think I might have said that in a couple of interviews once. Um, it was really, it was soon as really, who sort of found out that I was, you know, my granddad was Scottish and put me on got onto Walter Smith, uh, or I think Walter Smith got onto Sunas, I can't remember what actually happened. And he, you know, he, he spoke to me and he said, well, he said, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. He said, you know, I don't think at the time you didn't have to commit so I could go to Scotland and sort of train and be in the squad, but I, I could still maybe go back to England. It was something mad like that, I can't remember. Mm. 
how it works out. I went up to Scotland and uh, Walter Smith just said, listen, he said, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not promising you anything, he said, but I'm giving you the chance to play international football. Mm. Um, I was just thinking, you know what? I've, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. It's the highest level of football that you can possibly imagine. You know, why would you turn that opportunity down? I know I played for the England's in the 20s, I played in the 21s, but why would you turn down that? So I, 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 went, I went with it and, you know, I've never, I've never ever changed it. Never ever changed my decision ever again. You know, we went back in time. I've never changed my decision. I've always do exactly what I've done. Yeah, I completely agree. Agree. I mean, you guys only have one career, um, so you know you've got to take the opportunities while they come up. And you play three times for Scotland. Um, you're unbeaten in your Scotland career. Um, South Africa win, a win against Lithuania, and a draw against Croatia. How are though the English Scots treated amongst the Scottish players while you're on international duty? Exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. Yeah, um, there's no no animosity. There's no nothing at all. Um, even if you look at people, you know maybe someone's maybe someone who's from England but has got Scottish heritage is playing in front of you know uh, you know it's, you know someone who's born in Glasgow. Mm. No one no one animosity. No nothing at all. At the end of the day, you play for Scotland. You want to play Scotland to do well, and and, and that's the all and ends all. Um, everyone was brilliant with each other. I mean, I knew. I knew quite a lot of Scottish lads. Um, I was played at playing with Barry Ferguson, obviously at Blackburn as well. So made that transition a little bit easier as well. Uh, obviously Barry was captain at the time. It's just the same as any squad, really. Sure. You can't have that negativity or that sort of, as I said, animosity uh, within the within the dressing room. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to get anywhere at all. I ask this to anyone who's played any level of international football. Do you know where your caps are? Where they are? Yeah. One's on the wall. And then I've got two in the loft. At least you know. Last question on the international front. What's better? O'Flower of Scotland or God Save the Queen? O'Flower of Scotland. Of course it is. It's absolutely. It's much better song. Much, much better. I don't know whether you've ever been to Hamden and when that, when that kicks off in an international game, it's fantastic. It's like... It's unbelievable. I heard I, I heard it at Wembley, but I haven't been to Hamden. But I've got my stepdad's Scottish, so um, so I've got a soft spot for Scotland. So it's a it's a it's a much more stirring anthem, I find. Oh yeah, it, it sort of it, it gets you up for the game much more than you know. God save the Queen, I think. You, you're not wrong. Come on, boys! It's a grand old team to play for. It's a grand old team to see. you're a championship footballer um, playing for Barnsley and then you joined Swindon Town of League 2 on loan Barnsley Keith Hill was the manager of Barnsley at the time and um, he sort of just said listen he said you know your contract's up at the end of the season the budget's gone um, we won't be able to offer you a deal um, etc etc Swindon have been on the phone seeing if you take it on loan he said basically he just said you're not going to be playing here till the end of the season because I want to play players who who are going to be here and to sort of build my team for next year I said yeah enough I said fine so you know I looked Swindon uh, teams to Canio and thought well 
I'm not, I'm not going to be sitting on the bench or sitting in the stands. It's no brainer really for me hmm. to, to go and play some games towards the end of the season, keep myself sitting over. Something might come of it, you know. Either like maybe Swindon might want to sign me. Or someone else has seen me play and want to sign me, so it's just put, put yourself in the shop window basically instead of sitting on the bench towards the end of the season. So it was no brainer, straight straight down there. Um, actually played, I think it was. Uh, I was still playing for Barnsley at the time. I was in the starting eleven. We played Southampton away. Yeah, Barnsley. We got we got beat three 0 and then I think the, like the, the Monday or the Tuesday, ends up in Swindon. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, madness this, but you know, it was it was brilliant to come down and then obviously met met Paolo and that, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it does seem from from our side, it did. Well, it seemed to me an, an odd move, like professionally, because because you are dropping down so low. Um, but like you said, it's it's a case of. Um, we might as well play somewhere than than run out of your contract with a, with a uh, with a club that doesn't really well they're not going to keep you on. What were those inter- early interactions with the Canio like? Just the energy, just so much energy every day. Every day you went in, it was just like you had to be on the ball because he was on the ball. Mm-hmm. Like so, it was, there was no slack, there was no nothing at all. He was on the ball every single attention to detail, the lot, everything, and he got that across to the players and. If you didn't buy into it, you were gone, basically. Mm. And I loved it. I loved it, mate. I, I, he, when it went, I, and he was so enthusiastic about everything, his coaching, the way he was coaching, because he took everything himself, uh, what he was talking about, um, his attention to detail. I, I, I bought into it straight away. I loved it. And uh, obviously we went, that's why, that's why when, in the summer, when it sort of popped up that, you know, he, he, he wasn't wanting to take me. Um, I didn't even really look around to be honest. Um, for other clubs, I think I, I just went straight and just went went down and said, "Yeah, I'm fine." Who who helps you settle in during those early days at Swindon? And do they sort of give you a "This is what you need to do. Don't say this. Don't do this. Just do this, 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 and you'll be fine." I think I, I was I was I was okay because obviously I had experienced it. For, for you know, I think I played ten games. I was there for like two months or something yeah. uh, towards the end of the league two season. Um, so I saw that. I'd experienced what he was about, what you could sort of do, what you couldn't do uh, in his presence, what would get him into trouble. Mm. So I was sort of like selling the new lads or whoever he signed that, that summer, like, listen, you need to, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, basically. But I was, I was pretty too, so I was, I was fine. Uh, when I went down there, I just, um, you know, I, I, it was like I'd been there for a while and I just, just got on with it. And then he uh, just got, got got knuckled down to pre-season with him, which was uh, which is interesting, to say the least. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a moment. But you made your debut for Swindon at Wembley, of all places, in the Johnson's Paint Trophy final. Was that weird? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah, very weird. I mean, when he said to me, you know, you, you come down and be in the squad for Wembley, I was like, oh... You know that's that's nice. You know, a little day off of Wembley. You know, watch 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 the team, etc. etc. And then he, you know, he told me, you know, I think it was the night before. It was the night before, was it? Yeah, I'm playing. I was like, I'm looking at the um, the other lads who've been playing in the game. I can't remember his name. Chich, what's his name? Chibachi or Chibaki? Yeah. Chibachi, that's him. Yeah. I'm looking at him, he's looking, he's looking at me, just like I'm thinking, oh my god, this is like, I feel like going to Paolo, listen, just throw him in like it's a final. You know what I mean? You can't just do that to him. 
but that's the man he was. He was like, no, I'm too, this is my, this is my team. I'm doing this. Luckily enough, I, you know, I was I was match fit. I've been I've been playing, etc., etc. Obviously, didn't go didn't go down. Oliver scored the young goals in the early on, which sort of put us on the back foot. But I think looking back, you know, I think the most of the focus was was on that league, wasn't it? It was about getting promoted for Swindon Town, wasn't it? You know, they've been in the the bottom the bottom tier for you know. And they, they wanted to get back up. I think that, that that's why it sort of pushed them to the carpet and forgotten about a lot. Hmm. That Johnson's Pace Trophy final because they won the league that year. Yeah, absolutely. You could, it was it turned from a sort of a dark day at Wembley to just a day out because the real deal was League Two, and you're a key member of that run-in, playing eight times as we win our first. I mean, this is our first league season um, championship since 1996, so it meant a huge, huge deal to the Swindon um, fans. This is your first. This is your first taste of League Two, though. You hadn't gone further down than the Championship at this point in your career. How did you find it? It's always nice when you're going into a team that's flying and top of the league and you know playing good football. It wasn't like I went from the Championship into a League Two dogfight, relegation dogfight. I went to a team that was full of confidence. You know, had a goal in sight, which I could sort of jump on the bandwagon and go straight. Right, this is this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. So they, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you know. Some of the away games were a bit difficult. Um, I remember I think it was Barnett's away, you know, the pitch was like, was like running up at seven mil, one, 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 uh, one half. The pitch was on a big hill like that. Mm. I was just thinking, oh my God, I think it was Underhill, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 2 0. Yeah, I think I set a goal up there. I think I, put, I think I set one of the goals up in that game. Yeah, and then we're obviously playing our own. And we'd be sort of like we're dominating teams and we, you know, it was full of confidence, the ground bouncing, everyone's buzzing because the season that happened was just sort of, you know, it was good. It wasn't sort of, it wasn't a bad experience for me. It was a good experience. Yeah. I mean, you're part of that 5-0 win over Port Vale on the day that we lift the trophy. Um, you've a- achieved international recognition. You played in the, Championship playoff final and one. Where does that League Two medal sit upon your achievements throughout your career? Any sort of, you know, trophy that you win is 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 important. I mean, you're looking at an IJL. I played eight nine games that season. You know, where, you know, should you be sort of excited about it? Well, yeah, mm. because you know, if say I was say I was say I was a Swindon player from the start of the season. And I was just training every day, but my 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 opportunities were limited to nine, ten appearances. So I shouldn't celebrate that mm. because I only played like nine times that season. Mm. Not, I think, you know, I went there. You know, we we had a we had a tough running, and I I, I played my part in that. You know, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of just step back and go, you know, oh, it was all them. You know, well done. I, you know, I don't deserve all this. I don't deserve nothing. I don't deserve any medal off me. Hmm. I wouldn't have none of that. I think, you know, everyone plays the part, how big or small, from top to bottom, hmm. all the time, in, in any anything that you win across the board. Yeah, completely agree. Um, as you mentioned, you it was a no-brainer for you to join in the summer, um, and you've already alluded to it. So how did you find that uh, infamous pre-season in Italy? Oh, do you know what? It's it's. I don't know whether he does it for character building as well, or like test the character and that. But it was tough. It was tough. Very tough. It was double sessions every day in thirty eight, thirty nine degrees heat. The running was. Oh, it was. It was tough. It was very tough. It was very very tough. And do you know what? He he got us so fit. He got us so fit because. The demands of his football, you need to be in that shape, you need to be in that condition. And if you're not, you don't play. And if you're not, if you don't want to do it, you, you go. 
and that, that that was the be all and end all. And as I said to you before, I I, I bought into everything that he wanted to do. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it because you don't enjoy running around the field, for, you know, twenty minutes, uh, full pace and whatever, whatever. To be fair, though, there was. Do you know why I say that? But it was all sports science orientated. So there was sort of like we always we all had like beeps beeper things where. You sort of had to pass this uh, this cone every time you ran, and we were all at different speeds for different fitness levels. So like you like your Sam and Ferries and who else was there? Like Flinty, all them. They were sort of like they were quicker than you know a few of us, but they so their beats were faster. It was all you know he wasn't he wasn't stupid. He wouldn't just like let, let you run around the field as quick as possible. It was all geared to how you are because like say Sam and Ferry could run around the fields you know, as quick as possible. I couldn't do it, but he he needs that to get as straight as what I need to get, But if you understand what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I know Simon Ferry's going to be going uh, absolutely crazy with joy that you're saying how quick he was. He wasn't quick. He wasn't <laughs> quick, but he could keep a good pace for a long time. That's what he could do. That's what he could do. But it was all sports science-based. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just like... Like this preseason, do this, do that, run there, run there, run there. It was all monitored and it was all so you know he knew what he was doing. He was a very clever man and um, he got us in the best shape that I think he could look at that whole squad and ask them all. I think it was probably the best shape you've ever been in the career. Mm-hmm. And Town look good for back to back promotions that following season. Um, as we continue in that form with the fitness regime of Takano definitely paying out. And we had a great pre-season for, uh, for new signings as well. But there's a problem for yourself during the season because you're playing a lot of football, but you were carrying a knee injury for long periods. Do you think you were rushed back during that season? No, because, no, because it was me. It, it was me. I'm, I'm the one who's, you know, Ben and um, Claudio's, Head out every day saying, I want to train, I want to do this, I want to do that. Claudio Donatelli is the, obviously the fitness guy there mm-hmm. at the time. He's going, oh, Jay, no, no, you, you can't, you can't train, no, no, no. I'm going, Claudio, I'm, I want to train, I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right, because I could see where we were going and I wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think it was, it was my own fault, really. I mean, I could have sort of put the brakes on myself, but you know, when, you know, when you're flying and the team's flying, you want to be, a, you want to get back a part of it. You've obviously been, been a part of it for the, you know, the first part of the season. Um, you've been out for a couple of months, you just want to get back into it. So it was uh, partly my own fault, really. But, you know, I, I would have, I, I'm the type of person, you know, you'd have to, you know, you'd, you'd wheel me out there if you could. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't I don't sort of believe in, like, you've got to be 100%. I think you just, you know, if you can get about, if you can, if you can play football, you know, get out there and, and do what you can. That season before it all goes terribly wrong when the money... Um, is pulled by Andrew Black and then we have to sell Matt Ritchie. It was a genuinely exciting campaign and it looked like it looked like it was ours. It did, I think, um, was it the day after he resigned? I think we went up to Samia. Mm. We won 3-1. Three, three, <laughs> Gary Rock scored soon, I think. Um, and we went to the league. We went to the league and uh, we're thinking, you know what, let's just, you know, we've got, I don't know how many games we have, let's just, let's, just, let's just do it. Let's just crack on. But then it, it, it just... I don't know whether they, because he'd gone and we've been so the intensity and everything all season. I don't know whether his influence, because he wasn't there, 
people might have took the foot off the gas a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if it might it might even be intentional. It might have been just in the back of your mind, just think, Oh, we've worked hard, you know, we've worked hard, he's gone now, sort of like take half foot off the gas. Mm. Shouldn't be shouldn't be coming to your head at all. At all. But you know, subconsciously it might do you know we don't we'll never know what happens, but I felt if he stayed, if he stayed, he would have been, would have been a championship team. Yeah, a couple, of, a couple of players that I've spoke to from that squad have alluded to the fact that the moment he was gone, the diet changed quite quickly, and people started eating pretty much what they wanted to again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, he was quite strict with the with the diet and stuff. I think uh, one game, season game somewhere, and. They put like sausages and chips out after the game with like tomato sauce on the side and all that. And he went absolutely mental. <laughs> mental. Just <laughs> was starving, there was nothing else there. So all the lads have got like sausage and chips and a couple of bit of tomato sauce on the side and he went absolutely crazy. He was going, Oh and I just I don't from them. But to be fair, like when he was there, I was like I got it right into it, like, I mean, because I went to Rome, didn't I, for um, my operation. He mm. sent me to Rome for my operation. Yeah. I was there, like, three weeks, and I just got into all, like, this, like, the, the food over there is tremendous. So when I come back, I was like, if I was doing a bolognese or I was doing, like, a, a pasta or something, I was making sauces from scratch on my own because, like, he got into my head that much. Like, I can't, can't buy, like, you know, Dolmio out the, out the shop because <laughs> it was full <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm left sitting there with tomato puree making my own sauce and, and um, but yeah obviously as soon as he went it was like oh, don't we all do now yeah. <laughs> he sounds like a cult leader doesn't he he sounds like if you like you said if you buy in you'll, you'll pretty much run you know jump off a cliff if he tells you to it, it, it seems very much a trait of, of that squad yeah it was and I think a lot I think you know everybody bought into it Everybody bought into it, and that's why we were doing so well. And he he he, he had this thing about him where he could absolutely hammer it, mm-hmm. hammer it the next day, like in in a meeting, in a video analysis, absolutely hammer it. But yet you'd still go out and do the same things for him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he does it because if you know if another manager come in and absolutely and I'm talking like absolutely hammer someone, you just think whatever. Type of thing. I'm not doing that for you, you know. <laughs> but no, no one, no one at all. Everyone would just take on the chin and go again. And that's what he had. Was brilliant about him. Yeah. And I was a little bit gutted when he left, to be honest. Because I thought, you know, he could really, he could move up, move us into the championship, and you know, if we had a little bit more backing or whatever, we could, you know, we could form a decent, you know, get get Swindon back up there. It never happened, no, did it? Mm. So a deep delivery. And it's back across goal, and it's off the line. Incredible. Swindon players were celebrating, the bench was celebrating, but the ball didn't cross the line. Is it Shadon Logan on the line? It certainly is. What an incredible clearance, because he's actually stepped off the post that he was marking. And it goes again. This time it's in. Aidan Flint. Swindon Town have rescued it. So how did you find Kevin McDonald? I like Kev. I like Kev. I think um, you know it's a little bit difficult for him, isn't it? You know he's used to working with new teams and stuff. Um, I took caretaker of Aston Villa a few times. You know, coming into a, a situation like that, 
a little bit difficult for him to be honest. His ideas and principles were fantastic, fantastic. But um, I don't know whether I don't know if it was just the players, but I think the whole place took a bit of a like a bit of a, it sucks something out of the place when when he left when the Canning left. I think the whole you know the stadium, the the, the town, everything. I think it just went, mm. and you don't know whether you can feel that, and it just shows that we struggled a little bit after that. So it wasn't nice, really, but, you know, I, I enjoyed working with Kevin. I think he, he was brilliant. Mm-hmm. How, how frustrating is it watching things like the playoffs from from the stands or at home? Yeah, it's not nice. It's not nice, you know. You've you, you, you played all year, and you've been with them all the time, mm-hmm. and then sort of think you can, can't do nothing to help them, basically. And uh, sitting there watching the games, and that is... It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I didn't go to Brentford, but I watched it on the telly and I was sitting there in the house and I was just like, oh. mm. I was proper gutters, absolutely gutters that I couldn't be there and, you know, it was one of them things. During that summer, it comes as quite a surprise as the assistant manager, Mark Cooper, replaces Kevin MacDonald. Um, it was a surprise to us and it, from speaking to others, it was a surprise to you guys too. It was, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you're thinking... You know, where's a team that's you know, finished in the playoffs, come close to, you know, promotion, double promotion. Mm. So where 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 are we going basically? But um when he come in, Coops, and uh, we brought in Luke Williams with him. Oh, I think, you know, some of the football that we played that year. That was that was probably my most enjoyable time on the pitch as a footballer was playing in that year under Coops and Luke Williams. We, it's just, it's just so nice. We, we always knew that we would dominate teams. Results sometimes didn't go our way, but we always knew that we want to dominate teams. I think we went to, where was it? It was Wolves away. Yeah. And we got beat 3 2. And we absolutely battered them for 90 minutes. And we come to the dressing room and we're going, how have we been beat? <laughs> like, it's a proper shock, and even the manager and Luke were going like, "I don't know how we've been beat there." Like it's just, it was, it was one of them things. We just felt invincible going on the pitch. I, I, I love that. That time is brilliant for me as a footballer. During that season, we build a relationship with Tottenham Hotspur with Matt Luongo, Alex Pritchard, Nathan Byrne, Ryan Mason, Grant Hall, Jason Bartram, uh, Bartram all coming in in some capacity. It wasn't universally liked by town fans, but do you think there's an argument in favour of lower league clubs doing this sort of thing without the label of, in this case, Tottenham B, that it makes more sense to loan five players in from the same academy so they've got that rapport already? Yeah, I don't think there's a problem with it at all. I think if you've got that connection with someone, why not? You know, if a, if a club can't, club can't, a club's trying to achieve something and go somewhere, but they haven't got the finances to do it, and they've got maybe a few experienced heads, you know, I'm not saying flood a team with, you know, an under-23s team, you know, or an academy, but, you know, you, you've got to have the right mix. We took four or five of the Tottenham lads, and they were brilliant. You know, they, they knew that, you know, they, Tim, Tim, Tim Shea was there every week watching. Hmm. Um, you know, so they knew that that for their development, they they that they they have to be on the ball. You know, Lee Powell, you know, she was a James Mason. They have to be on the ball all the time. And um, when they come in, I think, and we see the style of football that we play, they just they were so happy. I mean, they probably think going to a League One club from Tottenham in the twenties or under twenty threes, whatever it is, they're playing lovely football. They think, oh, what are we going to here? 
they'd come into a team where the ball was on the floor all the time mm. and were playing football and they loved it. Absolutely loved it. And you know, they, I, I can I'm vouch for them. We love playing this team. It's, it's brilliant. Like, you know, it's exactly how we want, we see football and how we want to play football. And it stood them, a lot of them in good stead, mm. to be honest, um, for the future careers. So what, so why didn't we do better that year then? Because like you said, we did dominate. We played some great stuff. Yeah, we did, yeah. But as you said, you know, uh, to start something from scratch, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm. It's going to take time. So, we, you know, that, that year, we, 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 you could see the progress in the team, in how we were playing. You could see the, the route that they wanted to go down in playing style, etc., etc. It doesn't just happen overnight, so you've got to give it. You've got to give it the, maybe the two years Maybe the you know the you've got to give it the next season as well with the same type of player, with the same manager, um, and who knows where they could have gone from there. That's what I thought. You know, obviously I left at the end of the season. The season after, they, they, there was a little bit of mix and match, a bit bit more changes, um, but still it was when we played Swindon, you knew they were going to have the ball a lot. Mm. That was that was that was the, that was the type. I can only I can only barely remember one one other team. From like not the Premier League, from like in Championship, etc. Where you come up against them, and you think these are going to dominate the ball, and that was Swansea. Mm. And you think, but that's when that type cast this season after I left. That like everyone says, you know, we're gonna, they're going to have the ball. You're just going to have to deal with that. You're going to have the ball. You're going to have to hit them on the counter attack, etc., etc. And um, which, as going back to what I said, you can. Get a style of play, but then you've got to have to learn. So if you ca- carried it on with the same team, etc., etc., in that next season you can learn to deal with how teams are counteracting you having the ball. So you know, exa- I, I, I hit them, hit them on counter attack. Just a thing for Sheffield United when we played against them. You know, let them have the ball and hit them on the counter attack. Yeah. But you know, if you if you're dead for a while. You learn to you learn to deal with that. You learn to know well, this happens. If they try and counter attack us here, we can do this. We can do that. That's the team, isn't it? It's not obviously it's not an overnight success, as I said. We'll get to those playoffs in just a moment, but I'll never I'll never forget your final game, um, Rotherham, last game of the season, because for for some reason, I mean, maybe it's because you ne- you didn't score for the club, but there was this. Desperate, desperate feeling around the ground that day for you to score, and you come so close because you hit the bar. Um, but it was just, it was, it was odd because I know you were a well liked player at Swindon, but it was so obvious that everyone was like, "Oh, I hope he scores today," and then you, oh, it was, it was so close. Actually, doing that, 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 that corner routine, I've been, I've been sitting in the house um, and I've seen it on YouTube. I've seen this corner routine where. Uh, like so, like four people go towards the ball and they all dummy it and then someone comes from like by the halfway line and hits it on the edge box so I walked it to, I said I said to get it get on like, try this why do we try this on Saturday and he went well yeah quick he said it's on you he said you know if, if it works we practice it a few times and then when it come over I just thought right this is it and then it just, it, you know, the dummies perfectly, all the four, all the four dummies went perfectly, it comes straight to me, and I hit it clean as well, and I thought, yeah. oh, that's it. And I just rattled the bar, and I just, I said, oh, my, I just went, oh, that's it. And not a chance I'm scoring, is he? It was, it was close, it was close. I mean, I was dying for it to go on myself, to be honest. It's Gladwell! 
from your Swindon days, who were your who were your closest friends during that time? Who were the most talented, and what were your favourite memories from your time in Wiltshire? Um, I go for the you know I, I was close with like Alan McCorkers. To be honest, you know you know at that time there was a lot of us. We all went to food together. You know, we all went round to each other's houses to watch the football, or etc. etc. There's loads of things. Me, Alan McCall, Max, Sam, and Freddie, Gunnar Groovy, Tommy Miller. All of these players, we, we all sort of done things together all the time. Which is probably why we had a lot of success as well. Mm-hmm. Thinking back about it, um, as far as the most talented, I probably you know, I don't know if I put Ryan Mason right up there, right, right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as soon as he come in, you can just see exactly, exactly what he was. He's just an unbelievable footballer um, who'd struggled with injuries, struggled to keep it. And did a long period of Swindon, done a long way to go back to Tottenham. And he got games of his belt. He'd had the ring roll off, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesdays, and he got them injuries out of his system when he went on to, obviously, to, you know, to be in Tottenham's first team. Mm. Really sorry, but you know what, what happened to him was was horrible. But he was flying. Uh, another one who's you probably you know looking at is uh, Ryan Harley. Uh, I think he's probably one of the most talented kids I've ever seen. Uh, football wise, mm. uh, I don't know, don't know why things didn't work out for him. To be honest, but um, football wise, both feet absolutely fantastic balance. You know, agility, shooting, passion, the lot. Mm. Mem- happy memories that stick out. Oh, just anything to do with Simon Ferry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just watch the songs that happens. That we used to be, I, can't, I can't even remember. I'm terrible for stories, but I can just all think back and just with a smile on my face and just go and just laugh. And go, <laughs> you know what? We had a funny time there. And Simon Ferry was always at the heart of it. Well, your your form in Swindon is 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 rewarded really because you get a good move afterwards. You know, it's a bit of a risk joining a team like Swindon. To be honest, it could go either way. But you get a move to Sheffield United, where you have another good season, and it results in a in a playoff push. And the opposition in those playoffs, as you've mentioned already, are Swindon. Uh, we managed to snatch a victory at Bramall Lane in the last minute, thanks to a. Uh, uh, hopeful. It's a well-taken goal, but I still think the goalkeeper should have uh, should have done more with that one. But then the second leg, which is probably the craziest game I've ever been to, and the five-five. Um, I've not had the opportunity to talk to anybody who was there that day as a player, and like, you're the first, and you're in the opposition. But an absolutely crazy match. It was, yeah. I mean, we felt felt agreed to be honest about the uh, the first leg. We felt a bit, uh, as you said, that we felt the keeper should have, you know, he shouldn't have been gone too long down to, to Sweden in the second leg. But we did, and uh, then we went, was it 3 0 down? Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Yeah. I think it went 3 0, didn't And we're thinking, oh, what's happened here? Because it wasn't sort of that type of game. It didn't start off that type of game. I don't think it was sort of like being on the back foot. I think it was just like, Sweden had three chances and went bang, bang, bang straight away. Yeah. And we're thinking, wow, what's happened here? And um, we fought back, and, you know, I, I genuinely think if we had three or four more minutes, we would have, we would have snatched that. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure because I was panicky 
right up until injury time. I know Che Adams scores in the 90th minute, but I think we, I think Swindon dealt with injury time well. It was everything before, to be honest. After Rabika scored, it just absolutely like oh, it was it was a hell of a fun. I mean, it's funny because I always remember I turned well during all the pitch invasion and everyone celebrating. I turned to the person next to uh, me who I didn't know, and I said. If we want to beat Preston, we're going to have to score at least five. And I was right, but unfortunately we didn't get any at Wembley. But it was it was chaos. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a crazy game. You know, I was, I was gutted that, you know, well, I was gutted at the time because obviously the, the goal at Chattanooga was promotion and it didn't happen. But when it was swindling and fine, I thought, you know what, I really hope you do it. Obviously it didn't, it didn't pan out that way. Which wasn't nice, but you know that that team, that, that, that team, they're playing some lovely football that year. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's a bit of a shame that they didn't go up there. Yeah, and you're the second season at Sheffield United, which didn't go to plan, and that was that for you at Bramall Lane. And I think it was up to Scotland after that, wasn't it, Ross County? Yeah, but in Scotland, yeah, um, got a phone call to you know to go to Scotland. It was a bit of a a mad one, really. Um, but I thought, you know what? Premier League football, top flight football. I'm experienced there. Playing against, you know, your Chelsea Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, you know, all these big games. Um, I thought, you know, I, I, I thought I knew a few of the lots up there. Uh, I went up there and, you know, I, I enjoyed it up there. Enjoyed it. Lovely place up there. Lovely part of the world up there in the Highlands. Uh, but my family were down, you know, I just had a, just had my third child and my family were back in Liverpool, so we saw them. I was back and forth all the time, which uh, which didn't help. It was all right for about three or four months, and then I started to get a little bit homesick and, mm. and stuff like that. And then, you know, come the end of the season, I was sort of I'm back for pre-season, and so that, that was when we started. Just said to him, I need to get back home. He's done it sort of thousand. And then that's when Sammy came in, really. Yeah, perfect move, really, if you, especially if you're homesick, isn't it, uh, Tramia Birkenhead? But injuries don't help during that during that season. No, no. I mean, I thought, you know, it'd be nice to, to go back. I mean, a club that, you know, it's a club that want to get back to the football league, I want to be part of, of doing that. And then I just don't know whether, I just sort of fell out of love with it a little bit. Mm. Just... Fantastic. That was amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Rich. Below Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. for Smith, who finishes it! Once and for all! Hi, fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. Muck delivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 